today I'm going to be sharing with you about how uh, God has led me to understand the connection between health and spirituality in my own personal life. Okay. Um, so before we begin, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, you are such a good and loving God. Lord, I thank you so much for the ways that you've led in my life and the ways that you are leading and have led in the people's lives here. Lord, um, I'm here this morning because I not to share my story, but to share your story, Lord. Um, you have redeemed me in such a wonderful way, and I thank you so much for that. Um, may you be with my lips this morning and my thoughts, that it may not be me speaking today, but it may be you speaking through me, and this I pray in your name. Amen. Okay, well, I'm going to share um, how this journey all began. About three years ago, my children were one, two, and four at the time. And there were a lot of stresses going on in my life. Um, you know, aside from the, uh, the parenting struggles, right, there were other things. For example, this, at this point in our life, it was when we decided to uh, move to the country. And so Fred had now bought the practice in Pikeville, which was uh, about an hour and 15 minutes away from our current home in Ringgold. And um, we didn't have a home to live in there at the time, and so he would be there during the week, and I would be home with the children um, um, on my own, and he would come on the weekends and occasionally um, in the evenings um, throughout the week um, sporadically. And so I was struggling to um, just be a mother, right, of young children. Um, but on top of that, we had put our house on the market in Ringgold, and um, I then had to learn how to keep the house clean all the time because, you know, anybody can call at any moment wanting to see the house, and that uh, was something I had to learn because I wasn't always very clean, right? But I realized later that God blessed me in that, and now I have to have the house clean all the time, which may be to the other extreme now, you know, but... It was stressful um, in keeping the house um, in order. On top of that, uh, we were convicted of um, that we needed to reduce our debt, right? And so I started working part-time, and my mother-in-law would come and watch the children, and in the morning when I would get ready, the children would cry and uh, try to pull my scrubs off and say, don't go to work, and they would give me my pajamas and say, put this back on, you know? and. It was hard to be separated from them and to leave them that way, you know, and um, but we felt like, I felt like at the time that I, I needed to do that to help pay off my debt. Um, on top of that, my family in California um, were having um, all, some major family problems and <clears throat> that I think was a, the biggest stress um, on me. It was really weighing me down. And on top of that, um, you know, now we were convicted of country living, right? We were convicted to live a better life in Jesus, right? So we were trying to make changes in our marriage, make changes in our parenting style, and um, the choices we made in our diet, you know, and in our entertainment, things like that. And that alone, to me at least, is a major stress as well, you know? Um, because there's so many little things when you read Adventist Tone, Child Guidance, right? I know people have told me um, before when they read those things, it's overwhelming because there's so many things that we need to do, right? 
But you'll come to realize that that was actually the problem, right? That I was trying to do these things on my own, right? Well, um, at this point in life now, uh, my grandmother, um, um, we found out she passed away. So I went to California for the funeral and uh, it was on my way back that um, my body just crashed. like. Um, it just shut off, you know? So that morning, um, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I, and after that, it was a struggle for quite some time, for several months. Um, I had to drag myself out of bed, and this was even later in the morning, so I would have my kids sitting in front of the TV, you know, watching that, babysitting them, so, you know, I, c I couldn't get out of bed, right? My mind was so cloudy, I couldn't think and when I talked to people my words could hardly come out um, my movements were slow and um, I was losing my hair by fistfuls and um, there was sh I was having shooting pain in my limbs and numbness in my hands and um, I would have these occasional panic attacks you know like I couldn't breathe so I would go outside for fresh air thinking that would help, but it wouldn't. So I'd call Fred and say, I don't know what's going on. I can't breathe. And, you know, and um, this all happened um, because of all, I came to find out all of these stresses in my life. So I um, began researching my symptoms. Um, I didn't know what was going on. And as I was searching, I um, realized that I had adrenal fatigue, right? Um, where the primary cause of uh, this disease is stress. And it was interesting because when I was reading the causes of adrenal fatigue, um, with stress being the primary cause, um, one of them said, if you have children under the, three children under the age of five. <laughs> and I thought, wow, Lord, this is clear. <laughs> because at the time they were one, two, and four, right? So I realized I have stress in my life that's making me sick and I need to deal with these things, right? Again, I need to deal with these things, right? I was trying to figure out a solution to my problem. So I stopped working and I um, relocated me and my children to Pikeville. We lived in the little apartment connected to the office uh, for several months until we could find our own rental home. <coughs> Um, I started praying to God about my family in California, and I said, God, I can't think about those problems anymore, so I'm going to give it to you because um, I can't deal with that right now, you know? But even after all these things were, I eliminated um, the stresses in my life, I still were, was experiencing health problems, right? So then I said, okay, maybe it's something else, right? Uh, maybe I'm missing something. So I went to um, doctor after doctor after doctor to find out what the problem was, and answer after answer was, you have depression, right? And I said, I'm not depressed, and they were trying to prescribe me antidepressants and things. I said, there's no way I'm taking those things. I'm not depressed, and I'm not taking that, you know? I was in denial for quite some time, and then I thought, let me read a little bit about depression, you know? So I read a little bit about, you know, went again online, right? Um, and I realized I did have depression. I had almost all of the symptoms of depression, right? 
so I, I knew we had a book in our um, library uh, uh, by Neil Nedley, right? <coughs> Depression, The Way Out, and The Lost Art of Thinking. So I began reading those books, and then I came to the conclusion, wow, I am suffering from negative thinking. And this negative thinking is causing my depression. Now, you would be surprised. <coughs> you, you might think negative thinking, oh, it's like for those pessimists, right? Those people that are always all so dark and gloomy, and right? But you would be surprised at um, how many of us suffer from negative thinking, right? Because it could be from, oh, woe and gloom, my life is over type thing, but it could also be the simple little things in life, for example. It is so cold in my room, I can't even sleep, right? It was really cold, right, in our rooms. That's negative thinking, right? Or then in the daytime, it's so hot outside, you know? Oh, I can't handle this. That's negative thinking, right? All these little things, ask yourself, how many times in the day do I think negatively? And you would be surprised. Neil Nedley had a net, ha, has this exercise where, you know, he challenges you to avoid negative thinking for a course of 21 days. And the moment you, you might be at day five, and if you start thinking negatively, you gotta start all over again to day one, right? It's difficult, right? Um, and so I think we can, you know, safely say that many of us, if not all of us, suffer from this negative thinking, right? Well, my negative thinking was rooted in things like, um, in, the, in the lifestyle changes that we we're trying to make, right, at the time. And I started blaming other people, right? Because I was trying to do the best that I could, but why can't my husband be, you know, if he was this and this, it would be so much easier for me, you know? And, if my kids would just obey and be like little perfect angels, right, then I wouldn't be struggling so much, right? Or why, why, you know, my parents, all the loving they were, right? If they didn't allow me to fall into, right, I shared earlier this week, those things in my life, right, that were negatively influencing me, then I wouldn't be struggling with these things now, you know? And this was my thought pattern, right? And it was bringing me deeper and deeper into depression, I realized, right? And then on top of that, then was the guilt of knowing that I wasn't doing things right. So it was just a bad cycle, and I couldn't get out of it, right? In the Ministry of Healing, it says, the relation that exists between the mind and the body is very intimate. When one is affected, the other sympathizes. The condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many realize. Many of the diseases from which men suffer are the result of mental depression. Grief, anxiety, discontent, remorse, guilt, distrust, all tend to break down the life forces and to invite decay and death. And my life forces were breaking down. They were decaying because the result of my thought patterns, which was leading to my depression, right? I was in such a dark place at that time in my life that I couldn't see the light. I couldn't feel God's presence, and um, I couldn't get out of it no matter what I did, right? I was so tired that 
and I wanted to change, but I didn't have the energy to do it or even the clearness of thought to even comprehend or understand what was going on, right? At the time, Fred and I were health ministries director at our church, and, um, you know, we, we, we thought, you know, I was thinking, you know, we, we do New Start, you know? I mean, we're pretty good with it, you know? I mean, except maybe exercise, not so much, right? But I thought, well, that's okay, you know, it, I could compensate with my nutrition and water and things like that, right? But um, God during this time was trying to show me, um, no, Jane, you are missing a factor in New Start, and that was T, trust in God right? Again, I was trying to do things on my own for me, right? But I wasn't relying on the source of strength in God, right? Somebody share this with me. It says, only God can do it. Only I can let him, right? Only God can do it. Only I can let him. There's a source of strength and power in God but it wasn't working in my life because I wasn't allowing him to work through me, right? I was trying to resolve my own issues, but to no avail, I was taking supplement after supplement and um, avoiding this food and that food, thinking I was allergic to something, or I was trying to do all of these little things, which in itself was so overwhelming as well. I was trying to heal myself, right? But I was forgetting that who the true healer was, right? That I can find true healing in something greater than me. And again, I didn't realize that at this point in my life. It says in the Ministry of Healing, page 176, God has given us the power of choice. It is ours to exercise. We cannot change our hearts. We cannot control our thoughts, our impulses, our affections. We cannot make ourselves pure, fit for God's service, but we can choose to serve God. We can give Him our will. Then He will work in us to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Right? I realized I needed to choose to serve God, right? To allow Him to work in my life and not to myself try to change this and that in my life and in my family's life, right? It was an impossible thing, right? Why wasn't it working, though, when I, you know, I realized that I didn't have the power of God in my life, right? And I was trying to make changes in my life, in my husband's life, in my children's life, right? And the problem was because I was still struggling from sin, right? Um, I realized through this here, right? For I know that in me, in Romans 7, 18, 19, for I know that in me dwelleth no good. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not but the evil which I would not that I do, right? I was trying to do good in my family's life, but because I didn't have the power of God in me, I was trying to do good, but was actually doing evil, right? It wasn't coming out the right way, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't um, showing uh, its fruitfulness in our lives, right? Because 
in me dwelleth no good, right? In Romans uh, 7, 24, 25, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Is this the cry of your heart? Like, Lord, I try to do what's right, but I do wrong. I fall time after time. I'm such a wretched person, right? Who can save me, right? But thank the Lord Jesus Christ, right? There's hope in Him. And I realized by reading this verse that although my flesh obeys the law of sin, my mind can choose to serve the law of God, right? I came to realize that there were two things working in my body, right? There's my, my body, and then there's my mind, right? And I realized that my body were the lower passions in my life, right? Things that I and my human nature want to do, right? you're pulled to sin, right? But I realized that my mind was like the higher powers in my life, the powers that I was not holding on to, the power of God, right? That through my mind, I can submit my lower powers to my mind. I could submit my flesh, my pull to sin, to my mind, right? Stay with me now, I know it. But do you understand what I'm saying, right? I was beginning to realize that I can sin if I choose not to serve God with my mind, right? If I choose to serve God, not to serve God with my mind, then I am then submitted to my flesh, which serves a lot of sin, right? And this, to me, was kind of a new concept to me because these, I realized, are my thought sins, right? And you might be thinking, well, you know, isn't that obvious? I knew that, right? But I didn't know that, right? I didn't really realize that because at this time, I, when I thought of sin, I thought, oh, you know, like, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not lie and thou shalt not steal. Like, I don't do those things, you know? Like, I'm good, you know? Like, I'm I thought I was good at least, right? But I didn't realize at this point in life that I actually could sin with my mind, you know? And these are, again, thought sins, right? This is when surrender became truly real to me, right? And it's interesting to me how this weekend, it's amazing to see how God has orchestrated um, the speakers to talk about the same topic, right? We talked about this last night, right? Surrendering ourselves, right? Holy to God. Um, he must really want us to understand this concept, right? And I didn't understand this concept until I realized that I must surrender my mind to God, right? So, for example, in my life, it was things like 
when my children didn't obey, I would get impatient with them, right? Well, impatience is a sin because really it's against the character of God, right? Or if I got angry at my husband because he wasn't listening to this or that, right? I was sinning, right? Because anger is against the character of God, right? So my stress was causing my adrenal fatigue, which was causing my depression and my thought sins such as frustration or resentment were, you know, causing my negative thinking, which was also causing my depression, right? Ultimately because of my lack of trust in God, right? So I had to ask the question, okay, are my thought sins really causing my depression, you know? At this time, I didn't realize the connection between the mind and the body, right? But one morning, I was so tired, and I was praying to God, Okay, Lord, I understand now, you know, my flesh, my mind, you know, like, I must submit my flesh to my mind, right? But I can't. I'm so tired, you know? Please, can you help me, you know? I need you to just do something in me. I don't have the energy to even try, you know? And then that morning, he showed me this. It, I have this Bible. It has the Ellen White quotes inside, you know, the Remnant Bible. And um, I was reading this chapter, this book through and um, of Matthew, and it, was, um, it came across this chapter. And this quote was right in the middle of that chapter I was reading. And it said this, This lesson should not be overlooked. There are today thousands suffering from physical disease who, like the paralytic, are longing for the message, Thy sins are forgiven. The burden of sin with its unrest and unsatisfied desires is the foundation of their maladies. They can find no relief until they come to the healer of the soul. The peace which he alone can impart would restore vigor to the mind and health to the body. And then I realized, yes, Lord, my sins are causing my sickness. There is a relation between my thoughts and my depression, my mind and my body. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm here healing, hearing about the relationship between health and spirituality, but I don't struggle from any bodily diseases, you know? Like, I'm pretty healthy, and I don't have any problems, right? And that may be the case, but we all suffer from a spiritual disease, right? And that disease is called sin, right? Things like bitterness, anger, impatience, right? Frustration, right? Do you guys struggle with these things, right? But are those things really sin? Um, it says in 1 John, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love, right? If we don't love, then we don't know God, right? So what's love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you guys do any of those things? <laughs> right? 
Are, are you ever impatient, ever unkind, ever envious, right? Proud? If so, then you don't have the love of God in you, it says, right? Because love is those things, right? But we read before that if you don't love, then you don't know God, right? Who can then bring a clean thing out of an unclean, right? Not one, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, right? We're talking about being subject to the law of God, not the law of sin, right? But it says we can't, right? It seems so hopeless, doesn't it, right? But we have hope. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? We must bring our sins before God. And he says, then he can make us clean, right? What a wonderful promise, right? So then I realized I need to bring my sins before God, right? If I want to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, then I must give him all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? It says here in Romans, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Right? I wanted the righteousness of God in me, right? But I must then walk after the Spirit, not my flesh, right? I'm going to, um, okay, so, you know, we all know the parable of the ten virgins, right? And that um, they were virgins, right? They had a pure faith, right? Um, they were professed to be religious people, right? Like us, right? They were churchgoers with the Bible, right? Were leaders in the church, maybe, right? They did spiritual things. They probably did outreach and all of that stuff, right? But what does the uh, inspiration tell us about the foolish virgins? Because we know that they were not saved, right? They were lost. It says, all have a knowledge of the scriptures. Talking about the virgins, right? The foolish virgins. All have heard the message of Christ's near approach and confidently expect his appearing. But they are destitute of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, a knowledge of his word is of no avail. The theory of truth unaccompanied by the Holy Spirit cannot quicken the soul or sanctify the heart. One may be familiar with the commands and promises of the Bible, but unless the Spirit of God sets the truth home, the character will not be transformed. This class represented by the foolish virgins are not hypocrites. They have a regard for the truth. They have advocated the truth. They are attracted to those who believe the truth, but they have not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit's working, which is what? They have not fallen upon the rock Christ Jesus and permitted their old nature to be broken up. Do we still have our old nature in us, right? Do we still struggle with the sins in our life, right? 
have we not fallen upon the rock Christ Jesus? Because then, I'm sorry to say that we are in this category of the foolish virgins, and we will be lost. Right? And this is what I was starting to realize. And so I started to pray to God, and I said, God, I know, I realize now that I am having these health problems and that I am doing no good in my family <clears throat> because of the sins in my life. You know? So I said, Lord, please show me the sins in my life. And that night, I had a dream. And it was a dream about a specific person that I had issues with, right? Um, and, um, and so when I woke up, I realized, you have that issue with that person and I need to change the way I see that person, right? I need to love that person, right? The next night, the same thing happened. I had a dream, but it was of a different person, another person that I had issues with. And he was saying, you need to resolve those issues with that person. This happened for four nights, right? With four different people. And then I realized, I need to deal with these things, right? And those, he led me to realize your sin problem, Jane, is jealousy and discontentment. Because at that time, I was trying to remember to do things right, right? We, were, we moved to the country now, we we're trying to live a different life. But I realized in my heart, I hadn't fully embraced it, right? And when I <clears throat> would see my friends, right? in Chattanooga College that I would think, that's not fair. It's so much easier for them, you know? Like, they have such an easier life. And I was homeschooling also, you know, I'm, I still am homeschooling, and I, my thought pattern was, <clears throat> that's not fair. Those people, my friends there, they get to send their kids to school, and then they have like the whole day off, right? This is what I'm thinking. And I can't even breathe for a moment, right? And those were the things God showed me. You're struggling with those things, you know? So I said, God, I don't know how to, because I was so deep into that thought pattern, right? So, Lord, please help me, right? And he showed me, uh, he showed me as I prayed, he just revealed to me that you need to, cling to my promises and my word, right? Like, there's power in that. Try that, right? So then, okay, so it says here in Desire of Ages, so long as we are united to him by faith, sin has no more dominion over us. God reaches for the hand of faith in us to direct it to lay fast hold upon the divinity of Christ that we may attain to perfection of character. And how is this accomplished? Christ has shown us. By what means did he overcome in the conflict with Satan? By the word of God. Only by the word could he resist temptation. It is written, he said, and unto us are given exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Every promise in God's word is ours. By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God are we to live. 
When assailed by temptation, look not to circumstances or to the weakness of self, but to the power of the word. All its strength is yours. Thy word, says the psalmist, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So I began looking for uh, promises that I can claim in his word because only through that can God's power be unleashed in my life, right? So the first one I was led to is for, remember I was struggling with negative thinking, right? I needed to surrender my negative thinking to God and it said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I really appreciated this verse because it was an imagery that I could imagine of giving my thoughts to God and put, chaining them up in captivity, right? So that I could be free from them, right? And it was amazing that as I started thinking that, oh, so every time I would start thinking negatively, I would say this verse, right? And I would say it and say it and say it until I uh, was free from that thought, right? But this was a process. I mean, it took a while, you know? And so I would do it over and over again. And it was amazing how God freed me from those thoughts slowly slowly another uh, verse that he told me was Philippians 4 8 finally brother whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure lovely of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things right so then I started eliminating my thoughts right and I said okay wait is this, does this thought fall into this category? Because if it doesn't, I need to stop thinking this, okay? So then uh, this is what I would work on as well, and I started learning how to redirect my thoughts, right? Redirect my thoughts from my own thoughts to thoughts of God, right? <clears throat> now, I was still struggling from fatigue extremely, and um, he showed me this verse here, and it says, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So then I began to apply the principle in my life of thanking God for even my struggles, right? I realized that right, all things work together for good to those who love God, even the bad things in my life, right? And that God may be bringing these bad things into my life to teach me and then to help others that are going through the same thing. Because it was amazing to me when I started talking to people and I started reading about this adrenal fatigue condition and depression and things, how much of a community of young mothers are out there struggling with the same thing. Even in Pikeville, which is a small city, right? The people that I knew there, the majority of the women that I met were struggling from this. And I realized, Lord, thank you for bringing me through this trial because I can now share with them, right? And so I began thanking God for my infirmities, for my weaknesses, right? 
sometimes it was so hard during this time to even see the light because I was so in, much in darkness. It was, I literally felt like there was a dark cloud covering me and I couldn't breathe, couldn't see, right? And, um, and I had to at times, even throughout this journey of claiming promises, I would fall into this um, pit of darkness, right? And um, I had to then at that point even, um, uh, or think about, you know, you, Janet had mentioned, think about when you last saw the light, right? And I started thinking, okay, Lord, I remember the first conversion experience that you brought me to. I know that that was you working in my life because you did a transformation in my life. Lord, I know you can do that again. I'm trusting in that because I, that was the only way I can know that God was real, you know? It says, when temptations assail you, when care, perplexity, and darkness seem to surround your soul, look to the place where you last saw the light. Rest in Christ's love and under his protecting care. When sin struggles for the mastery in the heart, when guilt oppresses the soul and burdens the conscience, when unbelief clouds the mind, remember that Christ's grace is sufficient to subdue sin and banish the darkness. Entering into communion with the Savior, we enter the region of peace. Um, so, I'm going to share a few more promises that he showed me. And when, um, another one that he shared with me was Isaiah 40, 31. You know, it says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And um, slowly, slowly, as I was claiming promise after promise um, consistently in my life, um, these dark clouds started to break through. And again, it was another imagery for me where I could see the break in the clouds and I could see the layers of bright shi light shining through. And I had comfort in knowing that, that God's presence was still there, right? Well. It was at this time that I began to experience more energy in my life. My mind started to clear. It says, when the sunlight of God's love illuminates the darkened chambers of the soul, restless weariness and dissatisfaction will cease, and satisfying joys will give vigor to the mind and health and energy to the body. And I was experiencing this. I was starting to feel better and starting to thank the Lord, and I... It was still a struggle, um, you know, but I at least knew that the presence of God was there, and I claimed this as well in Lamentations uh, um, that His mercies are new every morning, right? The Lord's mercies, uh, because it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not, right? And I thought, thank you, Lord, for this new day, and I started thanking Him for just life, you know, even though I was so tired, I couldn't really function during the day. I said, thank you, Lord, at least I'm alive, right? During this time, we, our friends in College Dale, uh, we were all uh, doing a, a, a thing where we had this gratitude journal um, that we would email to one another. You know, I would share three things I was thankful for that day, and our friends would share what they were thankful for that day, and we would all be able to read what each other's praises were. And even on days that, you know, you didn't have a whole lot to 
praise God for? It's like we had to come up with three things, you know? So you begin thanking Him for struggles, maybe, that God is working in you, trying to refine your character, or whatever the case may be. And let me tell you, it was such a blessing to me and to, I, I know, um, the others that participated. And this heart of gratitude started to um, dispel my discontentment, right? Um, remember, I was struggling from discontentment, but the opposite of that is, right, contentment, right? And the easiest way to find contentment is to live a life of thanks, of gratitude, right? This whole journey, right, it was so difficult, right? So complicated, so dark, right? It's not going to be easy to uh, struggle against yourself and against your heart sins, right? It's not an easy matter. It says, Christ has given us no assurance that to attain perfection of character is an easy matter. A noble, all-round character is not inherited. It does not come to us by accident. A noble character is earned by individual effort through the merits of God, Christ, merits and grace of Christ. God gives the talents, the powers of the mind. We form the character. It is formed by hard, stern battles with self. Conflict after conflict must we wage against hereditary tendencies. We shall have to criticize ourselves closely and allow not one unfavorable trait to remain uncorrected. It says not one, right? Not one. Let us put every sin that we have in our hearts before the altar of God. Every single one, right? And that includes our thought sins, right? Let us bring our sins before God so that we can be a vessel fit for Him, right? We must be a living sacrifice for Him. It says in Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let our prayer be this, and I'm going to end with this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we are hopeless, Lord, without you. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we can find in you, a hope of a better life, one free from a bondage of sin, Lord. Please help us in whatever sins we may be struggling with, Lord. And if we don't know what those sins are, please reveal them to us that we may be able to bring them before you and be a, a vessel fit for you. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. You are a patient and loving God. Lord, you don't tire from waiting on us to come to you. But Lord, let us not hurt you no longer, but let us come before you now, today, that we may be able to be in communion with you and have perfect peace in our lives. Lord, thank you again for your love and your mercy. In this I pray in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse. 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.